Many are getting rich. Many are failing. And many have fallen in their faith. Learn how to become an overcomer in this end time through the anointed teachings of Pastor Ebenezer Okonifa. Pastor Ebenezer Okonifa is an emerging voice and a leader in this end time movement of faith. His message centers on faith, the Holy Spirit, and the realities of the new creation in Christ. He is a senior pastor of Overcomers Nation Church and president of Ebenezer Okonifa Ministries in Accra, Ghana. Become inspired, empowered, and enlightened as you listen to the life-transforming message of God's Word through His special servant. And now, today's message. Thank you, Holy Spirit of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lift up your right hand wherever you are. Say, Father. Father, say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I declare. I declare. My heart is open. My heart is open. My mind. My mind is ready. Is ready to receive with humility. To receive with humility. The word of God. The word of God. That will change my life. That will change my life. That I'll be blessed. I'll be blessed by the hearing of the word. By the hearing of the word. I'll be empowered. I'll be empowered by the hearing of the word. By the hearing of the word. The word, the word will produce, will produce the, result the result of the spirit of the spirit in my life. In my life. And I declare. And I declare. My Life, my life will never be the same again. Never be the same again. In, the in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout every game, man. Hallelujah. Somebody shout glory. glory. You know, in the book of Second Corinthians, chapter number three, the verse number eighteen. The Bible makes it very clear that as the Word of God comes and we give focus and attention to the Word, we move from glory to glory. We rise from glory to glory. Can we get that extension board quickly? We rise from glory to glory. Hallelujah. So it means that an encounter with the word of God takes you to another dimension of glory. If you are excited about the next level of glory that you are about to enter into, I want you to shout with all your heart, glory! Glory! Oh, somebody, you are doing well, but by the count of three, I want you to give me your best Holy Ghost shout of glory because you know you are ascending, you are rising, Oh, Give somebody beside you a high five and tell the person, I see you shining. I see you shining in the glory of the Lord. Okay, now I'm going to count to my three. One, two, three. Shout glory. When you are shouting glory, you cannot be destined Give the Lord some praise in the house. Hallelujah. Father, we are grateful to you. Our hearts are open, our minds are ready. Minister to us through the agency of your word. And let our lives never be the same again. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody shout a big amen. amen. Give a clap offering to Jesus. Kindly take your seat in the presence of the Lord. And if you may, open with me to the book of Romans chapter number 8, the verse number 28 to the verse number 30. And tonight we'll be reading a lot of scriptures, so I'll encourage us all to be very sharp in the spirit. Say, I am sharp. Oh, I can't hear you. Say, I'm sharp. Say, my understanding is sharp. Say, I don't miss anything. Say, everything enters, and I understand in the name of Jesus Christ. In Christianity, maturity is a function of understanding. 
Maturity, growing in the things of God, is a function of understanding. A lot of the mistakes we make in our walk with God is because we lack understanding. In the book of Proverbs, chapter number 1, uh, the, the, prover- the, the writer of the book of Proverbs tells us, he said that get wisdom and in all thy getting, get understanding. If you don't get understanding, you cannot grow. If you don't get understanding, you cannot advance or make progress in anything or any venture. In a book of, uh, in the same book of Proverbs, I think the verse, chapter number 24, you read from the verse number uh, 4, or is this verse number 3, rather. He said that uh, in wisdom a house is built, right? In wisdom a house is built, yeah? Uh, yes, through wisdom a house is built or builded, uh, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers or the rooms of the house be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So three things are needed if you are going to experience the, uh, the building, a building rising up. It's that by wisdom a house is built, by understanding that same house is established, and by what uh, knowledge many beautiful things and into the house. Many precious and pleasant riches become components of the house. So if anybody is going to do well in life, three things are necessary. Number one is wisdom. Number two is what? Number two. <laughs> you see? Is well, understanding is a product of hearing. So if you are not hearing me, you are not listening to me. So number one is what? Number two? Number three. Knowledge. 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 You need these three things if you are going to do well in any venture. This understanding in every spiritual matter is what will cause you to be a winner. Glory to Jesus Christ. So the reason why we don't do certain things is certain things also is the cause of the understanding that we have. Glory to Jesus Christ. So tonight, my biggest prayer for you is that understanding will come into your spirit. Hallelujah. Romans chapter number. Age, verse 28 to the verse number 13. Hmm. The Bible says that, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Whose purpose? God's purpose. So all things, there's something known as all things. Hallelujah. There's something known as all things. These are the things that bring us enjoyment. These are the things that bring us satisfaction. These are the things that we need in this world. They are called all things. When you read further down the Bible in verse number 32, it tells us that if Egypt God did not, uh, did not hold back his son, but he gave him to uh, sacrifice his son for our, our, our salvation, how will he not with him freely give us all things? The all things he's talking about over there is the same as the all things is mentioning in verse number 28. We know that all things, everything, in fact, when you study, you, you look at the Greek rendering, all things come from the same word. It means the complete package. Whole. Everything that has to do with it. He said that we know all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Glory to Jesus Christ. There's more I could tell you about all things, but that is a subject for another day. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. They say I have so many messages for another day. Praise God. Let us just go to the place called another day. You find them all there. Hallelujah. Verse number 29. For whom he did foreknow, 
The Bible says that he also predestined, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The verse number 30, the Bible says that for whom Moreover, whom he predestined, them also he called. Whom he called, them these he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. You, you, you recognize why I say that we are moving from glory to glory. That is the life that God has called us to. He has glorified us. But let me ask a simple question. How many of us have heard about predestination? The doctrine of predestination. 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 How many of you have heard about If you have heard it before, just give me a wave. Predestination. Wonderful. Okay, so I have just about uh, three or four people over here, five, who have heard about it. So, uh, so what does predestination mean? <laughs> Woo! Glory. What does predestination mean? Yes, let's volunteer from the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything that is happening was predetermined. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, the life we are living now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it means that according to what uh, uh, brother is telling us, everything that is happening has already been predetermined, has already pre been pre-planned and ordained. And so we are just leaving out a play, right? We are just leaving out a play. Who else has something to say? Uh <laughs> oh, but I thought I saw some hands. Yeah, uh, let's take the one at the back. I believe. Thank you. So that means that it has been um, planned ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So, like it has been foretold already that this is what is supposed to happen. Like the way a prophecy is. So it's like uh, now what you are about doing. We already know the future of it already. So just like you said, you are acting it out. We already know the end of the matter before you've even started with it. So you are saying that it means that it has been pre-planned, the same and as like a prophecy, a declaration ahead of time. Wonderful. I saw a hand in front. Let's move. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Praise God. I, I, I hope you are aware of the obvious questions that will start coming up now. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Papa. So, uh, yes, my understanding is, I mean, from Scripture, Bible says that he chose us in, in him before the foundation of the world. And Jeremiah, I think 115, we also see an example there where he told Jeremiah that before you were formed, if I knew, I knew you even before you were formed in your mother's womb. So, uh, it, it sort of connotes that, that, uh, and uh, gives that understanding that before, um, we even came into the, whatever will happen, God had already planned it and ordered it to be so. Beautiful, beautiful. Praise God forevermore. So it means that all those who are going to hell, <laughs> they, are, they have been planned to go to hell. Uh, and all those who are going to heaven have been planned to go to heaven. Not what? <laughs> not entirely. Uh, really? No, tell us. You seem to be wanting to defend it. <laughs> you even wait to hear the end of the matter. <laughs> so go ahead. Oh, that's <laughs> 
<laughs> Glory to Jesus Christ. You know, when we, when we uh, purpose something, we need to understand the end of the matter so that when somebody brings up a counter argument, we'll be able to, uh, uh, we'll be able to tell the person or explain to the person further. Praise God forevermore. And, uh, today, I'm not really here to talk about predestination. <laughs> Amen. But then it has a part to play in what I'm going to talk about. Okay, every one of us who are born again, the Bible is making it very clear that God has purpose for us to be born again. In fact, when you study the book of Acts, the Bible talks about those who were destined unto salvation. So they were the ones who were being saved. Glory to Jesus. A, a, a strong component of uh, the doctrine of predestination is in the sovereignty of God. It's in the sovereignty of God. And the sovereignty of God is embedded in the wisdom of God. And the Bible says that who has taught the Lord anything that he should be recompensed. So there is an aspect of the wisdom of God we cannot entirely fathom or understand. Are we together? But then we must, we can learn about it because the Bible tells us about it. So when we use a word like predestination, that for us to fully understand, it is not to look at the English meaning, but but what the Bible has, how the Bible has explained it, how the Bible has explained it. The Bible says that He knew us, He knew us in Christ even before the foundation of the world. The doctrine of predestination is strongly tied to the doctrine of pre-knowing or foreknowing, advanced knowledge. So. God knew that every one of us who was going to hear the word, he knew those who accept the message and those who will not. Those who accept the message and those who will not. In understanding Christianity and our salvation, there is a God concept and there is a man concept. There is a God side and there is a man side. When we fully understand these things or comprehend these things, then we will have the full picture or the full knowledge of God. That's why the fact that God has, the Bible says he desires for all men to be saved, right? But is it all men who are going to be saved? Why? Because not all men are going to accept the knowledge. He gave man free will. Even though it is desire for every man to be saved, all humanity to be saved, but there is a, a component he has put in man to accept the salvation, his desire, his will, and his purpose for mankind. Are we together? It is his desire not to control the will of man. So if it, if, if it was so, God, there is no need to preach the gospel. Because... And those who will be saved will just wake up and, oh, Jesus is the Lord. Are, are we together? But then there is a component he has put in man, and this is part of what makes us to be Christians. This is part of what makes us to be Christians. If it was entirely dependent on God, then everyone who is born again will become a strong Christian automatically. Because it is God's desire. And so when God saved us, he wanted us to become a particular image or fulfill a particular standard. Because it is all based on him and dependent on him. Everybody who got born again will suddenly start manifesting the power of the Holy Ghost. Suddenly start manifesting the characteristics of Christ all of a sudden. But no, it doesn't happen that way. There's a God side and there's a man side. There's a God side and a man side. And when we begin to understand this, that is when the true understanding and the concept of Christianity becomes apparent. We begin to understand the balance of grace and faith. 
the balance of grace and faith. We begin to understand uh, Romans chapter number 8 verse 28. It's therefore we know that all things work together for good to those who, number one, what? Love God. And then those who are called according to his purpose. And that is a Christian. That is a Christian. A Christian is somebody who is made up of two amazing parts. It's one who loves God and one who is called by God. Who loves God and called by God. Loving God is the man's side. Being called by God is God's side. Are we together? So, and so the two marry together, a Christian cannot be formed. And so the two are working together, a Christian cannot be formed. That is why we go out to preach the gospel, so that people's love for God will be stirred up, and then they will respond to the message. Glory to Jesus Christ. I'll come back to that point very soon. Hallelujah. But, Today, I just want to just talk to you about how to become a strong Christian. And so, that is why I'm talking about Christian, because I need you to understand who a Christian is. And understand that there is a part of Christianity. Most of the time when we talk about Christian, I, I intentionally deviated from the definition of Christian, where we talk about somebody who has, who has the Holy Spirit in him, who has the life of God. Those are very common knowledge. Okay, common knowledge. I know all of you know all of those things. Come on, guys, you're very sharp people. So, I have to bring something that you don't know. What do you think? When we become Christians, uh, there is a vision that God has for us. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18 puts it very clearly. He says that the path of the just is like the shining light. That, that's what shines brighter and brighter onto the perfect day. So that means that anybody who qualifies to be called the just, or the justified, your life is supposed to be one which advances continually. You are shining, you are, you are, you are shining better or brighter and brighter towards a particular standard. That standard is Christ. We are supposed to keep increasing and moving forward in our Christianity until we get to a certain perfect standard. Look at verse number 8 of Romans 4. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining brighter and brighter towards the full light of day. Give me the King James Version. Let me, uh, King James Version put it a bit, it will help my, will help what I'm about to say much better. So the path of the just is like the shining light that shines more and more onto what? The perfect day. So it means that the shining or the brightening of the day, there is a place it is supposed to get to, and that place is called the perfect day. And they are using the increasing brightness of the day in comparison to the work of the just. In comparison to the work of the Christian, so that means that every Christian is supposed to be advancing, making progress in their faith, shining brighter and brighter into their spirit, onto something that is not at the perfect day, or a certain perfect standard, and that perfect standard is Christ. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the son of righteousness. He said, the son of righteousness shall rise upon you. So, he's a picture of the day. He's a picture of a perfect representation of how the light and the brightness of the day is supposed to be like. In Romans chapter 1, you read verse 16 to 17. The Bible tells us, Paul gives us, tells us, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for therein is the uh, power of God, uh, uh, of God on salvation to every man that believeth, to the Jew first and to the Jews, and then to the Greek. For therein is the the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Revealed from faith to faith. Christianity is about from glory to glory. Progress. 
So as a Christian, you are supposed to keep increasing in your work with God, increasing in your understanding, increasing in your fire, increasing in your strength, increasing in power. You are not supposed to be going up and down, up and down. No, you are supposed to get stronger, deeper, and higher. Are we together? So, when you come into Christ, you don't remain, you come as a baby, but you are not supposed to remain a baby. You are not supposed to remain a baby. You come in as a child, but then you are supposed to mature unto adulthood. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 1 and verse number 2. The Bible says, Wherefore, we should put aside, lay aside malice and all guile and hypocrisies uh, and envies and, and, envies and all evil speakings. You see, uh, uh, these are the characteristics of a baby Christian. A Christian sometimes may say very, may even have a bad mind for his brother or his sister. Malice. A Christian may be full of guile, but he's a babe. A babe. It means that sometimes he can have malicious thoughts or say certain certain things. You are like, ah, who call you a Christian here now? He says that that's a baby Christian. He says that a Christian can even manifest hypocrisy. He will say that, oh, I, I like you, but then oh, he doesn't like you. That doesn't necessarily mean that the person is not a Christian. But then the person is a baby Christian. A Christian can manifest envies. And even sometimes you speak evil words, wrong words. You see, a Christian can see a sister doing well and say that, ah, and in the heart despise him or her. Why? Because the person, you are envious of her or envious of that person. A baby Christian is the one who does that. So here it says that we should put these things aside because maturity or advancing in your Christianity is a decision. You must make up your mind that I refuse to remain where I am. I want to advance and I want to make progress in my Christianity. Today, your faith may be able to heal a headache, but you must tell yourself that I want to move from healing headaches to healing cancers. It is a decision. Are we together? Your faith can get you 10 Ghana cities today, but you must tell yourself that 10 Ghana cities is not my vision in life. A hundred thousand Ghana cities may be a vision that I'm, I'm carrying. So, what do you do? You begin to intentionally build your faith and build yourself. So, laying aside childhood, childish things. And then he tells us, let us receive with meekness. Let us receive the word. Let us, uh, verse number two, uh, verse number two, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may do what? Grow thereby. So, when we desire the milk of the word, the word comes to us as we are receiving the word. That's why it's important to be in church. If you are not in church, it is likely you will not be able to grow. It's impossible to grow in the spirit if you are not in church. Oh, I'll be in the house and I'll be speaking in tongues. Who will be teaching you? Why will you be getting the word? And I'll go on to even let you understand that even just receiving the word of God from a TV or from uh, somebody who is preaching to you from a TV uh, may not be enough for you to mature spiritually. The word of God is a standard that shows us how we can become better Christians. Hallelujah. He, shows, he, he gives us the principles from his, the scriptures. Look, in Hebrews chapter number 5, verse number 12, he shows us another picture of Christian advancement or Christian progress. He said, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, that which will be, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as of need of milk and not of strong meat. In Second Peter, he tells us to go for the milk. Are we together? But yeah, he's telling us that let us take away, let us, uh, let us not, first, he tells us put aside childish behavior. 
and go for the word. And uh, there are dimensions and capacities and strengths of the word. The first one, it says, come for milk. Milk is easy to drink. Milk is easy to digest. Milk is easy to, uh, to, to take into your being. But then after, another level, after a certain level, you are supposed to move from milk to something that is known as strong meat. In using meat uh, uh, of food in terms of milk and strong meat, he's actually talking about understanding. The difference between a teacher and a student is that it's their understanding. A teacher has a better understanding of a subject than a student. So he said that you should have been teached by now. Meaning now your understanding of Christianity should have been so strong that you should be able to teach others. How many of us after three years as Christians, we, are, we can boldly say that we can teach others the principles of Christ? How many of us can say that as children of God, we can boldly explain to people what salvation is and how a person can be saved? Can we explain what holiness is? Can we explain what righteousness is? Can we explain what kingdom prosperity is? Can we explain the rudimentary principles of the scriptures? Will you partake in communion? Today we'll be partaking in the communion, right? Can you explain to another person why communion is necessary? So, by this time you should have been teachers, yet you still need basic principles and to be taught because your understanding has still not grown. When we went to school, they taught us what the, what, what an, um, an atom is, or they gave us some definitions of at, an atom. And in primary, it was, it was, it was one definition. We go to JHS, it was different. We go to SHS, hey, the same people were given, in fact, even the, 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 the definition of science. By the time we get to the university, you realize that the thing is gargantuan more than you thought. Glory to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So, it is because at each level, and you need a greater understanding of that dimension. And they know that as a child, that definition of an atom or a molecule or science, you cannot understand it. You cannot, you cannot relate with it. So they give you what is at that level. In Christianity, oh, glory to God. At every level, there's a depth of insight that is available for you. So in the same thing that the Lord has shown you, that is, that is a lesser light. But there's a greater light. There's a greater light. And the greater your light, the greater your manifestation. So, it is a risk to remain a, a Christian being. It is a risk to remain a Christian being. And then you realize that the same demons that you have been dealing with from childhood, you will still be dealing with them. Yet, you have been, you are, they have been cast out, they have been dealt with, you have commanded them, you have prayed about them, and, and after five years you are still praying about them. It means that your light is not growing. Your light is not growing. Your light is not growing. Have you realized that depending on the amount of light in this room, there can still be shadows over here. Are we together? There can still be shadows over here. So that doesn't mean that there's no light in the room. There's light. But then the light is not great enough to take out all the shadows. You know, the reason why we position the light this way, rather the one is going to the back, one is going to the front. What is the purpose? We are trying to take out shadows. Take out shadows. I made a complaint that when the light was at the back, it was putting a shadow on my face. <laughs> Glory to Jesus Christ. So now, they have to now do something about the light so that the shadows, the shadows will go. The shadows will go. So, the more your light, the lesser the shadows. Oh, somebody's not getting me. The more your light, the lesser the shadows. 
the shadows are the things that are able to fight you, the things that are able to overpower you, the things that are able to make you unvictorious because you have been made victorious. Oh, somebody's not getting me. The Bible says, this is the victory that overcometh our world, even our faith. So it means that the victory is already there. But how much of the victory can you accept? It depends on your level of light. Are we together? So we need to, when we talk about becoming a, a strong Christian, we are talking about getting to the place of maturity. Getting to the place of maturity. Getting to the place where you understand the things of God. You understand why you are Christian. You understand the work with God. At that point, people don't tell you what to do. You already know what to do and you are doing it. Even the, I read a scripture today and I, I, I trust God that one day I will get an opportunity to open it up to you. And basically, we are, we are supposed to get to a place where God can be teaching us His word directly. Even we will get to a place where we are taught of God. Paul will say that you have not been taught these things of Christ. And I was wondering that, are you not the one to be teaching them? Meaning that, ah, yakataya. There's a dimension, malokotaya, where in every one of our spirits, there's a school, a whole institution over there. He said, I'll de- take away from them a, a heart of stone, and I'll put in them a heart of flesh. And he said, and they'll need that no man teaches them, because our rights, <laughs> who, is, who is writing? <laughs> Somebody is a right. I'll write my laws, my word, in their heart. I'll write it. The Holy Ghost will be writing. You wake up in the morning and then you know that no, I will never drink this appetite again. You, no, you just know it in you. A, a, hand, oh, a handwriting has just dropped. Something has just come up. You wake up in the morning and like, oh my God, I will never be poor again in my life. Phew! Something has been written and you begin to see the manifestation. I will teach them my ways. That is how Christianity is. It's a walk with the Spirit. A journey with the Spirit. And so we need to desire to keep advancing in our walk with God. Hallelujah. But it is a function of understanding. And the first insight you need to have for you to be able to make progress in your walk with God is who is a Christian? Who am I as a Christian? And I was showing you from the dimension of Romans chapter 8, the verse number 28 to 30. Oh, I'm not sure I'll be able to fully exhaust those three verses because those are very deep verses. Deep verses. But I hope to be able to balance it for different levels of understanding. Amen and amen. Those who want meat to get their meat. Those who want uh, uh, palm wine to get their palm wine. Hallelujah. And those who want milk will also get their milk. Glory to Jesus Christ. So he tells us that there are, there are a group of people on whom all things work together. For we know that all things work together to them or for them. So, them means that he's referring to a specific group of people. To them. And then he begins to give us the qualifications of the them. Who love God. And those who are called according to his purpose. To be a Christian, you need to love God. Mark chapter 12, the verse number 30. Look at what Jesus says. He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. You must love God. You cannot be a Christian without loving God. 
Anybody who says I don't love God, you are not a Christian. The qualification for Christianity or for being born again is to love God. First Corinthians chapter number two, the verse number nine. Listen, uh, uh, listen to how Paul describes us. The as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for who? Which people? Those who what? Love him. So there's a group of people who are called the lovers of God. James chapter number one, the verse number twelve. James also tells us about this same group of people. He said that blessed, James chapter one, the verse number twelve. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who do us who love him. There are a group of people called the lovers of God. First John chapter four, the verse number ten. He said that herein is the love of God. Herein is love. Not that we loved God. Listen, so now he's telling us that there was a stage in life where we did not love God. But that he loved us and he sent his son. So, we did not love him. Humanity did not love God. They were not coming to God. They were not drawing close to God. Even the very people that he has separated unto himself, Israel, several times they will leave him. So, naturally, the human being does not love God. That is why he is happy when he hears a statement like, there is no God. And God will securely qualify that person as a fool. <laughs> the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. God spoke about it two times in the Old Testament. Why? Because there are such people. He knows human beings want to rebel because of their sin nature. And so, they want to convince themselves that there is no God. Why? Because people don't like is it that is why we have prisons? So. The prisons and the security forces are because people don't like to be controlled. And so when they said the Lord say, Men call no men no why are you saying I shouldn't put it there? Hallelujah. Even the prophet of God, Moses they say, go and speak to the rock. He said, ah, why am I speaking to the rocks? Ah, no, let me try something that you will see that power. He said, pain. Ah, now I give him. Glory to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So, they don't love God. So, the people who end up becoming followers of God are now described as lovers of God. He said, in this, this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation of our sins. So that's where salvation comes in. In verse number 19, He concludes the thoughts. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of discussion in between those verses, but, uh, it will take me off my subject. So, jump to verse number 19. So, in the same chapter, so you can see its context. When you are studying the Bible, there's something known as contextualization. Every word in the Bible is surrounded by other words. Are we together? So it's in a sentence. And a set, what is a sentence? A group of words, right? A group of words. So every word in the Bible, you cannot just pick love and then say, I understand love. In fact, in certain portions of the Bible, love is not explained as it is in other parts. Grace is not explained as it is in other parts. So you need contextualization. So for instance, you see, uh, we read uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 28, and that's all things. And you see another all things, and we say, uh -huh, all things, all things. <laughs> Glory to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody saw um, that uh, Eve 
said that God said that don't eat of the fruit of the garden, of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or even touch it. And they said, ah, there's something about touch. Oh, there's something powerful about touch. That is why when Jesus resurrected, he said, don't touch me. <laughs> Looking for revelation where there is no revelation. <laughs> Are we together? So you see, and that is why people enter into deception. For instance, somebody will say that uh, the Bible says that. The, do you know the Bible says that uh, there is no God? <laughs> do you know the Bible? The Bible actually tells us there is no God. Are you angry with me? Why have you stopped laughing? <laughs> But before the Bible said there is no God, he said the fool has said it is us. <laughs> so you see, if I just speak that part there is no God, I'll be I'll make a mistake. Until I have looked at the entire sentence. And each sentence is in the paragraph. So you need to understand the paragraph. And each paragraph is in a chapter. So you need to understand the chapter. And each chapter is in a book. And this book was written by a particular person. So, sometimes in even understanding what is written in the book, you need to go and research about the character of the writer. So, somebody who is having a Roman background, when he's writing, you see that he'll be incorporating the culture of the Romanians. The Romanians, the Romans. Glory to Jesus Christ. Are we together? So if you look at Paul, sometimes you look at the educational background of that person. Paul was educated. So in all his writings, you see him making arguments. You see, Paul is like me. Anything I say, I want, I, I want to defend it by all means. But you see, there are some other prophets that come and they say something and then they move on. Me, I, because of my education, it makes me want to prove to you that what I'm saying is true. So I want to use a lot of scriptures and then you get tired of playing the scriptures. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. So my education is influencing my teaching. Peter was not educated. So his writings are not many. He doesn't have many words. <laughs> and you see, he uses more graphical, pictorial representations. Add to your faith. Add to your faith. All of those things is like a cinematic setting. It's like God has given you the platform of faith. Now add to it. Add to it. And the word that he uses, he uses very characteristic word. And that word is sponsor. And that sponsor is used usually when stage plays are being, are being organized. They call sponsors to come and add. So someone will come and bring the money. Another person will bring the props. Another person will bring the advertisement. So he uses pictorial ways to describe our Christian journey. Why? Because of his background. Because of his background. So, in understanding the scriptures, we need to look at all of these things. Look at all of these things. Sometimes even you need to even go into uh, study um, secular writings, like archaeological writings. Things have to do with geography, so that you begin to understand certain things. For instance, recently, a prophet friend of mine, we were speaking on, he's in Germany, uh, and he was saying that he went to the office, and 
a certain uh, Hindu or guy told him that you are serving Satan. <laughs> the guy has come to confuse. And he said, ah, what do you mean? I'm a man of God. <laughs> he said, no, no, no. You don't even know the God that you are serving. You say you, are, you serve God by the Bible. You believe, in, you believe in Moses. Christians say that Moses never entered into the land, uh, the, the, the land of promise. That's what Christians say. But I can prove to you from the Bible that Moses entered into the land of promise. And then he said, that proved to me here. He takes him to, I think, Deuteronomy chapter number 4. So, uh, where God tells Moses that go onto the Mount Pisgah and go and view the land. And when God tells him to view the land, I don't why if you can find that scripture for me. He said, view northwards, southwards, eastwards, westwards. That's like all around. How can he be looking all around when he's outside the land? <laughs> Ooh. Glory to Jesus Christ. So, if you don't understand the geography, <laughs> or you'll be confused by such a man. Even right now, you are even, uh, you say, hey, so is it that Moses was inside the land because of, you don't understand the geography. I, I hope you're understanding me. Anyway, that was just a cutaway <laughs> for us to understand, um, uh, how to interpret and how to study the Bible. Glory to Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Now, what was I talking about before I <laughs> diverted over there? So, I'm talking about, yeah, numbers. And the Lord said, go up in the mountain and see the land which I have given to the children of Israel. Uh, and when you have seen it, you shall also be gathered. No, no. There's a, a scripture in Deuteronomy, I think, chapter 4. So, verse 14 or so. Glory to Jesus Christ. Uh, Pisgah. Maybe search for Pisgah. Pisgah. Mount Pisgah. Uh, youth King James. Glory to Jesus. Amen and amen. Now, this teaching service, so we want to look into the Bible and uh, get interested in the Bible. Amen. Get interested in the Bible. There are plenty of things over there. In fact, today, I saw some new things. I was like, oh, my God. We, we can never finish studying the Bible. 3, verse what? Verse 27, yeah, I think so. so. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift your eyes towards the west, the north. The south and the east. <laughs> and behold it with your eyes, for it shall not cross over this Jordan. Is it? Already even, well, it shows us that there's a Jordan, so the land starts after the Jordan. But then, because of the topography and the geographical, when you stand, when you look, you are able to see in all directions. But then when you just read it literally like this, you will get confused. And you say, ah, the Bible contradicts itself. Right, because you have not done further research to understand the, 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 the background of that verse. Glory to Jesus Christ. Amen. May you not be confused anymore. But even besides this, you know, you can even use prophetic connotations. The Bible tells us that when God told Abraham after a lot had left, he said, lift up your eyes and look. Now, he studied the Hebrew writings. The look that was over there was more prophetic than literal. He said, look. Northward, southward, eastward, westward. Is uh, 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 have I said the four? Northward, southward, eastward, uh, all the four directions. He said, and as far as your eyes shall see, I've given it unto you. Now, you see the revelation in the book of Romans chapter 4, that he literally saw the whole earth. How can he be around position and see the whole earth? Because the Bible said, now God gave him the whole world. Because that meant that he saw the whole world. He was standing in one place, he saw the world. Naturally possible, spiritually possible. 
The Bible said, Satan took Jesus onto the mountain and said, look to all the kingdoms of the earth. Uh, can you be a one who see and see all the kingdoms? It was a spiritual prophetic encounter. Glory to Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, now, so that's why you need to study the Bible so that nobody will confuse you. So that nobody will confuse you. Lift up your right hand. Say, I refuse to be confused. Say, so I grow in understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. So, who is a Christian? A Christian is one who loves God. It's a one, one who is a lover of God. Literally in the scriptures, I've shown you Jesus telling us that we must love God. So that is where our salvation comes from. Paul tells us we must love God. James also tells us we love God. No, no. Paul doesn't tell us we must love God. He says that we love him. James also says we love him. John also says we love him. So in verse 19, he says that and we love him because he first loved us. Say I love God. It is in you. Romans chapter 5 verse 5. Romans chapter 5 verse 5. You, see, you don't need to feel it too. Love is not feeling. It has been deposited over there. Romans chapter 5 verse 5. Look at what Paul, how Paul describes us. He said, now hope does not disappoint or hope make no ashamed. Because what? The love of God has been what? Is it will be poured? Is it must be poured? Is it desire for the love to be poured? He said, it has been. That is present continuous past tense. <laughs> I don't know which school you went to. <laughs> but this is something that is definite. It's already that it has been poured past tense. Poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So every Christian can love God. Because you actually love God. The love of God is there in your heart. Let's have it right and say, I'm a lover of God. You, know, you can post it on your DP, you can write it on your status, you can write it in the description of yourself on Instagram. A lover of God. Oh, my, 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 my. When you begin to understand this, you, it, it promotes your work with God. Because, you see, in love, you grow. You do the things you do because you love God. You know this is who I am. Any contrary description, you reject. Because it is not what defines you. You are a lover of God. Say, I'm a lover of God. So he said that we love him because he first loved us. He showed us in the verse 10 that he first loved us. Not that we loved him, but he loved us and he sent Jesus Christ to bring us salvation. And I we love him. So we love him because he first loved us. When we did not love him, his love generated our love. He's our father. Oh, we are born of him. We are born of him. Glory to Jesus Christ. So, number two, who is a Christian? One who has been called according to the purpose of God. Who has been called according to the purpose of God. Verse 30 of Romans chapter 8 says that, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them also he called. So, we have been called by God because he predestinated us. Why did he predestinate us? Because he foreknew us. Come, let me tell you something. Many years ago, I was meditating on this part of scripture, and I was wondering about predestination. The Lord said that he fashioned his predestination plan according to foreknowledge. In other words, he knew those who accept him and those who don't accept him, and he wrote the books of their lives. He wrote the books of their lives. And then I, I asked, ah, come on, who knows how hell is going to be and so on to choose hell? And who knows how beautiful heaven is going to be and, and reject heaven? And the Lord said that, it is something that is there. Even a little child who will reject God in future, God knows. God knows. Look, in the book of Revelation, did you realize that when the tribulation was in session, 
and the earth was going through turmoil. In fact, did you realize that? Come on. Fire is falling from heaven. Devastation everywhere. And yet the Bible says, unto those on whom the fire came, they cast God. Ah! How can you be going through this and you still be cursing God? It is, it is something that is in your DNA. You are a vessel prepared unto condemnation. Nobody can tell you and you accept it. You will still reject God. So those are for those to whom he foreknew. He knew that they would reject him. So the book was written concerning them. The Bible says, if you read the book of Romans, is it chapter number 9 or chapter number 10? He says that the verses of condemnation, he feels pain for them. So it's not as though it pleased God. He feels the pain. He suffers because of their distraction. But who are we to question God? Who are we to question God? So there are vessels of mercy and vessels of condemnation. Vessels who will obtain the mercy of God. Say I'm a, a, a vessel of mercy. That means that, oh dear, dear, dear. Listen, the reason why you need to have a positive outlook of life is because you are ordained unto good things. We are called of him. For them whom he foreknew, he predestinated to be conformed unto the standards the light, Jesus Christ, the image of the Son. So, becoming a strong Christian is actually also becoming like Christ Jesus. Becoming patented according to his image. You are being formed. So, you look at Jesus and you look at yourself and you begin to get closer to the image of Jesus. Test your life every now and then. Am I looking like Jesus? Am I looking like Jesus? And begin to work your way forward. Begin to advance. Oh dear. That means that when you see that the shadow of Jesus could heal the sick, you should desire that a stage or a time in your life will come where even your shadow will fall on the sick and you'll be free. It should be an aspiration. Any Christian who does not have this aspiration will never grow. You will not be driven to pray. You will not be driven to study the word of God. You know, if Jesus could multiply bread, you should desire that one of these days something will multiply your life. And it will be strange. Jesus' lies connoted the miraculous and the powerful. You must desire that the supernatural will be evident in your life. It's something that when you look at the fact that ah, I've been called, what have I been? So, first of all, you accept that you love God. That means that if you, anybody that you love, you want to get closer to that person. You know why people complain about marriage? They say that, oh, we start with love, but then along the line, we lose the love. And they are not happy about it. That means that everybody actually wants their love to grow. Are we together? They want the love in their marriage to grow. Glory to Jesus Christ. Now, that's what they say. That's what it's supposed to be. Amen and amen. So don't say then say, ah, okay, okay, then let me no no no. Please, if you are a Christian <laughs> married person, your love must what? Grow. Praise God. Your love must grow. Glory to Jesus Christ. So you know you love him, and number two, he has called you. Say I've been called of God. Listen to what the master himself says in John chapter six, verse forty four. That no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me, draw him, and I'll raise him up on the last day. So we have been drawn of God. I didn't come here by chance. Oh, God came to pick me. I've been guarded by God. I've been guarded by God. Romans chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. He said, among whom 
are you also the cause of Jesus Christ? To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saved. So we have been called to be saved. We have been called to something. Allah talaba. We have been called of God. Say I'm called of God. Say I'm called of God. Say I'm called of God. I really don't. Say I'm called of God. Glory to Jesus Christ. Say we are called of Jesus Christ and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Look, that tells us that God is what? The caller. God is the one who calls. So, as Christians, God has identified us. Some of us, he identified us when we were in our mother's womb. Some of us, he identified us when we were in the get- ghetto. Some of us, were, yes, you, you got it right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, amen and amen. Some of us, they identified us when we were in the beer bar. Some of us were identified when we had the... Um, hallelujah. Some of us, they identified us when we were walking on the streets. But it does not matter where you are identified. He identified you anyway. Say, I'm called of God. Ah, you do look at... You know... No important person will go and look for something he considers useless. Ah. Ah, 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 are you getting me? Yes. No important. Is it every wedding that uh, Akufuado goes to? <laughs> Woo! Glory. Are we together? So, important people will go looking for things that they consider valuable. Uh, who is more important than God? I said, which more important than God? Romans chapter 9 verse 11. For the children not being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election my son, not of works, but of him that calleth. He's the caller. Glory to Jesus. Acts chapter 13 verse 28. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. As many as were ordained. Oh, to eternal life they believed. Meaning there were others who had, but they didn't believe. Galatians chapter 1 verse 15 and 16. He said, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, called from the womb, and called me by his grace, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him. Look at that. So why did God call him? To reveal his son in him. He has preached my message in that one verse. To reveal his son in me. Becoming a strong Christian is about revealing the son of God in you. When people see you, even without reading the Bible, can they read the life of Jesus? That is where we are going towards. I said that's where we are going towards. Oh, you don't think, I don't, you don't want to go there. I said that's where we are moving towards. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. So having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, oh, which he has purposed in himself. Take note of the way purpose keeps repeating. So he called us unto his purpose. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things. So he's, look, he's moving all over, gathering together, gathering. We are here because God has gathered us. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 9. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So he appointed us for salvation. Say, I'm appointed for salvation. Say, I'm not appointed for destruction. Say, I'll never be destroyed. That is why when the devil comes and says, I will destroy you, what should you do? What should you do? 
When the devil comes there, Mister Nisham, oh yeah, oh yeah, let God be true and every man a liar. What do you mean? Before they realize you have crossed and you have, hey, because you are pointed. Look. Ay, 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 ay. Say, I know who I am. Where you stand, Satan cannot stand there. You are in the light. I said you are in the light. Is it, I've not even thought, spoken about you are light too. Oh, you are in the light. Say I'm in the light. How can darkness dwell in the light? The Bible says, call light out of darkness. He never called darkness out of light. So we have no place with darkness. And so when the devil comes, you don't get afraid. Ah! How can you have a torch and be afraid of a dark room? Only ignorance does that. So what do you do? Grow in understanding. Tomorrow, somebody you are going to harvest your miracle money. Somebody you are going to harvest your healing. You are going to harvest your elevation. Ah, those demonic dreams that you have been having, no more, no more, no more, no more. Now the dreams you'll be having are revelational dreams. And you know what to do. Alabasataya. I say you know what to do. Say I know who I am. Say the greater one is in me. So I know where I'm going. Say I'm a miracle. Going somewhere to happen. Say I'm a success story. About to be announced. Say I'm a rich man. Discovering my wealth. How can you be disadvantaged? For we know. You see, I've just described the two definitions of a Christian. But the end of these two definitions is that all things work together for the good of such a person. <laughs> My God, everything that is called disadvantage, it is beginning to align for your good. They are calculating themselves together. I said they are calculating themselves together. I said they are calculating themselves together. All the rejections, they are coming together for your election. They are coming together for your selection. The sun is moving for your good. The moon is moving for your God. The stars are shining because of you. They are know who I am. Say, greater is the one in me than he that is in the world. Say, with every day, give the Lord a shout of praise. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. For more inquiries, visit our website www.ebenezaokonipa.com or call 0546-363957. God bless you.